It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome to the show. We're in the slowest part of the season. What suggestions do you have to help me with my boredom during this time, Colin? Uh, my suggestion, which we'll get into more later in the episode, is playing some 2K to pass the time. It might not be the game it once was, but it helps get my basketball fix. Either that or scrolling Twitter. So earlier this week on the Low Post podcast, it came up that the Lakers have a huge deadline on August 4th with LeBron, because that's when the Lakers could either extend him if they come to that agreement with him or he would become a free agent after this season so my question is uh if he doesn't go with the extension with the lakers do you think the Cavs would make a run at him as a free agent is this even something that crosses your mind as a Cavs fan anymore no i really don't consider it at all the only time that these things come up for me is when the media gets bored so this time of year or Maybe when the Cavs are showing a little bit of relevance, it's like, well, maybe LeBron should come back. It's um, it's a topic that I'm over. We had that happen. You and I believed he would come back when he left for Miami. We talked about it at length, and we assumed it would be later on in his career, right about now, that instead of the move to the Lakers, it would have been staying with Miami and then moving to the Cavs when he moved to the Lakers. So this time is over. He did it. He came back. He won a ring. It should have been more. I'm greedy. Whatever. That's another podcast. But for now, I'm excited about the future of this team. And bringing back the ex-girlfriend is not something I think we should do. What about you? I mean, would you entertain it at all? I found it interesting that Zach Lowe brought it up. He was kind of couching it in the angle of that there would be kind of a frantic nature to the Lakers, obviously, if they don't extend LeBron. And he alluded to why wouldn't Cleveland try to make a run at him again? And it's kind of like what you brought up. They are building something right now. And even if they signed LeBron as a free agent, he is his own ecosystem, his own solar system, any type of system, any structure. <laughs> he is LeBron. And so everything that we have right now, you know, we just signed Garland to a max contract. Hopefully Mobley will be the next in line for another max contract. They would be second or third fiddle. And I just don't want to go down that road again. I'm in awe of LeBron. I really have been ever since he came into the league with how he plays. His just He's an astounding basketball player and just a ridiculous human in general because of everything that he can do on the basketball court. But there's a lot to unpack with him. And I kind of agree. It's like the jilted ex. It's like, all right, just appreciate what you had and we're done. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He is a universe unto himself, and you cannot have him come in and be a Carmelo Anthony aging veteran playing off the bench for you. That'll never happen. The Cavs unveiled their new uniforms earlier this week. What did you think of them? They unveiled them on this Monday, this past Monday. You and I were kind of texting back and forth about our reactions. I was paying attention to a lot of Twitter reactions. I do like how clean they are. I know a lot of folks saw them as minimalistic. I kind of perceive them as clean and crisp. Um, I also like that it's a complete set, the white burgundy and the black everything that they've constructed in switching over to the gold and the i like that all the branding that they did earlier the summer has actually amounted to a complete uniform set and there's not some type of random color thrown in or a random font we saw everything that they've already established we've seen in the past with the calves they did that a little bit with the yellow like all of a sudden the maize yellow was like sneaking in the stuff and you're like which Sometimes they even did that with different shades of blue at times. And they even swapped out the wine where sometimes it was wine and sometimes it was more of like a a brick red or, you know, just a red that wasn't wine. So I like that they have an established look. And then my favorite jersey as of right now, they are the white ones. That could change depending on how the rest of the season starts off and you start seeing the players actually playing and uh, wearing the uniforms. I feel like you get a different look as to how the uniforms actually appear. And I think that I might like the wine ones more depending on how the gold really comes off in person and then the two cons that i kind of have are i do think that there could be a little more piping there is piping but it's the same color tone or around the same tone as the actual jersey itself so there's some white piping on the white jersey you know wine color piping on the wine and so forth and then i would have liked to see the bucket v used a little bit more instead of just the c um, Um, especially on the black. I like the black jerseys as a concept, but I just wish they would have utilized the bucket V on the shorts instead of the whole calves. That's kind of my overall take. What is your take? I know that you, you were thinking a little bit differently. I don't disagree with your take. I think this is a subjective thing. They're just jerseys, and every year they change them because now the NBA sees the marketability of, well, we can have three brand new jerseys to sell. And obviously with the way that the players are always moving around, kind of works in their favor anyway to have new jerseys. So I expect the Cavs to do something fresh and new, and I don't get into buying any of this stuff because as an adult, I feel awkward wearing jerseys that, you know, to sports I don't play. I think they're for the people to play the game, had played the game, or kids. So um, I'll never buy one, but they're very cool, and it's always exciting to see how they galvanize the fan base. And just from a graphic design perspective, it's exciting to see a new take on the Cavaliers. I was skeptical of the throwback uniforms last season, but they worked out really well. I enjoyed them in person when I got to see them when I went to the games. So with these three, I'm going to be a little bit critical. I may end up loving them in person, but what I see for now, just kind of in the reveal, I'm underwhelmed. And here's why. There's no accent colors. It's very sparse. The, the jersey doesn't have any kind of fringe, doesn't have any of the more minor details, smaller details that a jersey typically has. 
Now, I'm not saying you got to go crazy and go back to something like a mid-90s jersey or something, but this just feels like I'm looking at the Detroit Pistons jerseys, but as the Cavaliers. it's It just keeps running through my mind, especially the white jerseys, just of how simple they are. And they really feel like summer jerseys. They need to grow on me more. I'm surprised at their simplicity. I'd say out of the three, I dislike the burgundy one the most. And it's mostly because I don't like the Cleveland block lettering. It reminds me of the Kyrie Irving, Deion Waiters days. Even a scripted Cavs or Cavaliers, I should say, a, a scripted Cleveland would be better. The black ones are fun because they remind you of those playoff black jerseys that were so lucky for us in the 2016 run. So I'm all about what they tried to create there. And we talked at length in previous episodes, our love for the basketball V, the hoop V. And I agree with you. They should have found a means to use it again in one of the other jerseys and possibly in the burgundy, the red or call back with the red one. Maybe something that is uh, a little more old school. I'm not sure. I, I'm just not a huge fan of that one for sure. So without rambling too much further, in the last couple of seasons, is there one? Is there a jersey that they have revealed from the new batch that you liked the most? Because I, I could tell you what my favorite was, but I'm curious what you'd say. The uniforms that they're moving away from, I actually didn't mind. They were a little hodgepodgey, but I liked some of the accents and that they didn't go over the top with them, which I think the Cavs have definitely done in the past. And one last little note, because I remember texting you about this, and I was really concerned when they were really hammering home the whole thing about gold, that they were just going to overdo it with the gold in every single jersey and i actually thought they used restraint <laughs> which i know that you and i both do graphic arts work sometimes you can go over the top with stuff and so i'm glad that they didn't do that was there a jersey you were thinking of yeah i really enjoyed the 2016 blue unis that they had with the red calves and the yellow outlining the lettering and the, the pinstripes around the neck and the the shoulder area it felt a little bit out of place when they first were introduced, but I think probably just the nostalgia of what that season was and coming back and beating the Warriors and everything, that's just a, that's a cool one. It was an opportunity for them to, in my memory, they were starting to kind of bring that Cavs look back. Like, we're, we're not going to be the Cavaliers on the front anymore. It's going to say the Cavs now. And I think you and I have always loved that abbreviation, and we're happy to see them do that again. NBA 2K was mentioned at the top. What do you think they need to do to get back to improving the game? Well, this is where I'm going to be a downer because, um, number one, I'm going to start with my love for NBA 2K. It was a game that truly kept me inspired and in love with basketball during a lull where Jordan left the game and the Lakers were kind of the best thing in town and then maybe the Spurs, but so much of basketball on the whole, though, in the NBA was so bad. The talent level was just not even, and basketball was no fun to watch. And then along came NBA 2K, where you could control the players and make them better. You could make the game fun again. Year after year, they brought about more opportunities to play with older teams and older players. They gave you a chance to control a player and feel like you really were working with that player. Like somebody could walk in and see you playing that on TV and think that for a second you were actually watching a game. That's how realistic they made the movements of the players and how the flow of the game just 
felt so realistic. You're talking about 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Just hit after hit after hit. What a great game. And then they became the thing that they had slayed. Because before them, it was EA Sports. It was NBA Live. Because I played that game. That was out in 95. That was the first one. And that game was amazing. But massive limitations. Wasn't really basketball. And year after year, you kind of realized that more and more. And they never really achieved it. Along came 2K and just put it to bed. Now, granted, they held on for another 15, 20 years, but they could never really match them. So why have I gone into all of this history? Because they mattered. They made basketball fans at a time when basketball couldn't do it. And nowadays, I think they've lost their way because they've become the big evil corporation, the big entity that they had slain at one point. Now they have four or five different editions of their game that come out, all ranging in various prices that go up to almost, you know, $150, $200 sometimes. You've got in-game purchasing that isn't just something that, oh, if you can do it, you should because it'll improve the game. No, instead, it's vitally important to the game. And if you don't purchase these things, you can't experience the game as fully as somebody who can. I don't want to be an old man and, you know, get off my lawn, you know, especially at my age. That's It's too early for that. But there's a reason why I don't play video games anymore you don't buy the game and get the game i don't want to go home and continue to pay for the game for months and months and months out just to experience it the way that i should have just for buying it in the first place and i don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars to be able to create a good character that i want to put through an nba career none of this stuff ever was a hindrance before but they found the method that these other companies that did which is loot boxing and they've created a system that is to me now so disgusting in its grabbing for your money that I can't even download it and play it, not even when it's $10, $15, because I know it's going to take a lot more money than that eventually. So my answer, very long-winded, is that to get back to improving the game, they have to care about the game again, the game of basketball. They have to care about making the fans just love the game and maybe just develop something solid that doesn't need to be constantly updated with patches and please give me an experience that doesn't require me to pay thousands of dollars to have fun. I don't know why this is even something that I need to say out loud. We all remember when games didn't do this, <laughs> and they were fun. So this is the stuff they need to get back to, and I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I mean, I knew when uh, we developed this outline that this was a very soapboxy topic for you. So I agree with most of if not all of those points i actually did a little exercise to prep where i went through and looked at the last three reviews for 2k um on ign and ign they really do try to give you the benefit of the doubt in a lot of their the stuff that they review they're not going to rip you to shreds but in each three of these reviews and made by different folks they were really gritting through the the review of 2k in 2020 21 and 22 they were just like this is a basketball game it's a game that exists you can do things and they would talk about how some of the mechanics have improved they would talk about how some of the gameplay has 
maybe been tweaked enough to pique people's interest. But overall, they were giving these games, you know, nothing better than a 9 or an 8.7 at best. And it really does go back to their overall number one complaint was the microtransactions. Because you're not able to operate within 2K without using them. You have to spend 30 to 40 more dollars, if that, to get a passable my player. Like just a guy who can dribble a ball that and, and maybe have one go-to shot. It has turned into completely a money-grabbing endeavor, which is really frustrating. So I agree with you. I think that they need to just get rid of those whole hog they should break it out and actually give some attention to the franchise mode or the my career mode where you're able to actually build a team you and i would spend hours when we were younger just trying to figure out what the league was like and who would make certain trades or who would sign certain contracts you can't do any of that in 2k now they don't even have signing trades in 2k so the game is just also completely inaccurate the stuff that's going on with the nets right now that wouldn't happen in 2k like we don't really love that it's happening in the nba we kind of think it's funny but nowhere would you ever have a storyline or a situation with the nets where you have a kevin durant and kyrie where all of a sudden they don't want to play for the team anymore and i don't really necessarily need that but my point is it doesn't emulate what the nba is doing anymore it kind of emulates how to play basketball and how to execute on the floor but it hasn't been updated or upgraded in any capacity to fit what's happening in 2023 with nba 2k i'm saddened that it's not the true simulation that it was because you and i would know oh yeah we should trade for these 15 to 20 guys every year and it didn't matter what team they were on or what position they played or where on the bench they fell. We somehow knew what value they'd have and how they would benefit our team. Well, we somehow knew because we were bored kids that would look through every team and go, yeah, that guy, we need a guy like that. I'm trading for him. And then you'd bring him over and see how he'd play with the team. And they were so accurate in their assessment, their simulations of these players that you could actually get it. It was like analytics in front in the virtual space. You could see it go, oh yeah, that guy would fit. You never know about injuries or work ethic or all of that, but they got everything else right. It's a sad thing that that simulation is gone and now it's just like every other game. It's just kind of a mindless engagement of ball through hoop. That was the main thing that every reviewer talked about was that 2K... It's still thought of as the premier way to do a simulation of a game, of any sport. They allude to that it isn't that anymore. Yes, LeBron and other big-name players like Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, they still play kind of like them. But if the rest of the dudes on the court don't do similar things or play like basketball players, then the simulation's not accurate anymore. The final seconds. Bleacher Report ranked the Cavs as the 11th best roster. Too high or too low? 
Well, I don't envy Grant Hughes, who's the writer of this article. I agree with some of these. You know, the Lakers, I think, kind of makes sense. I think that the Trailblazers make sense at 17. They've improved their roster a little bit. The Raptors around 16 makes sense. I kind of think that there's a little bit of a padding going on with the Cavs because the Cavs are at 11 and then the Grizzlies are at 10. And the Grizzlies, let's be honest here, the Grizzlies are a better team than the Cavs. They both have really good young cores. But the Grizzlies were really the only team that gave the Warriors any fits during the playoffs this year. I would put the Grizzlies higher, and the other team that really kind of boggles my mind is the Timberwolves at eight. They're an unproven concept. They traded so many players for Rudy Gobert, who every analytics person in the NBA is just, like, not a fan of because he doesn't produce wins when he's on the floor. So I think the Cavs could be one or two spots higher, but I think 11 is actually pretty solid considering the type of season that they had last year where they kind of limped into the plan. Yeah, all good points. I think that uh, certainly I don't disagree with those two teams that you mentioned. The two that I would point out are the Brooklyn Nets at six. I think they should probably be at dead last right now. There's no guarantee that they're getting Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back, considering that the team has talked about trading them together if they could. Right now, this list should not include them so high when most likely the team is in a rebuild. And then the other one that I'd say I'm a little surprised by is number four, Los Angeles Clippers. I think that's basically still the media or people within the media thinking that, well, once everybody's healthy, that team should be really good. But I just don't know when that's ever going to happen for the Clippers. And I still don't really believe in what's going on over there with Kawhi. So those are the two I would contest. But as far as being happy with where we're at i'm i'm actually fairly pleased that we've almost cracked the top 10 especially given how we tanked towards the end of the year i think that nationally we missed an opportunity to be talked about more positively i think locally people are awake to the fact that we're a good team now and there should be higher expectations in going into next year but i think nationally people are still a little asleep to that so we'll see what happens Besides Love and Sexton, who could make a run at six man? Well, I'm going to say that lots of things can change after the first 25 games or so of the season. We'll see if people who start the year in that starting five remain there. And if that changes, then, of course, you could see somebody move to the bench that has the kind of offensive power that having them rotate out from that position, they could easily be sixth man of the year. But for now, I won't hint at who that could be. I'll say the person that I expect to most likely stay on the bench for most of the season is Ochai Abaji. And so I will say, I think Abaji has a good chance to be the sixth man on this team. And it's because of his catch and shoot abilities. If he can come off the bench even subbing in when half of the starting five is still on the court. He's going to see a lot of opportunities to score 10, 15, 20 a night and be in that running simply from his offense. I think he's already shown that he's got some defense and some pretty strong passing abilities as well. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the rookie might be able to, to get that title. How about you? I think Ochai is an excellent selection. And I'm a little jealous. The other guy that I would think of is Karras. 
if JB decides to bring Karras off the bench for the majority of the season, for whatever reason, matchup reasons, just how the bench is working, I think Levert could really be an additional spark coming off the bench that would be a bucket getter, be a guy that's a bit of a connector and kind of help keep that offense moving with especially at the beginning of the season with Neto probably being the backup point guard more than likely so my choice would be Karis LeBert does the team blow up the roster if next season isn't a success so I was inspired to write this question full transparency because I was listening to the chase down and they were kind of discussing timeline of when the Cavs would need to like go all in or maybe how their core is going to be good for the next X amount of years. You and I both agree that Garland, Mobley, and Allen, next four or five years for sure, those are going to be the players that will lead this team into the future and hopefully get us a championship. I don't think the team will blow up the roster if next season isn't as good as we think it is. But I do think that more guys could be on the chopping block if for whatever reason their play drops off. So a maybe is my answer. I think next season seems a little premature. I understand that given, you know, looking at certain contracts and timelines and all of those things, it's a possibility. But I think you'd have to see just a huge catastrophe of a season for this to even remotely be possible. Allen, Mobley, Garland, these guys are here to stay. I don't see that core going anytime soon. And if they're staying, blowing up the team is not really how I would define it. Unlikely. But in two years, probably. Two Two to three. I mean, there's definitely that window that, yeah, they're young now, but they're they're getting old every day, so we really have to we have to strike while the iron's hot. Do you have a favorite city edition uniform? The 2020-21 unis that they celebrated the rock and roll roots of Cleveland. And they had each letter be a different thing that incorporated that as the Cleveland on the front of the jersey. And I just thought that was so cool. I still to this day think it was such a neat design and a neat concept. And I really kind of hope that one day they'll think that too and bring it back as a jersey that at least that that idea of the design will be used again. Because I thought it was a pretty fresh thing. What about you? What what city jersey did you enjoy? That was also going to be my selection. I remember when these first came out, uh, they were kind of panned. We also liked the patches on the shorts of the jersey, and they really grew on me the entire season because they also changed up the floor, the court, when they would wear these, so the court was a little bit different. I really like those a lot just because they also surprise people because people kind of ridiculed them if i were to select a different one it would probably be they had these sky blue city edition issues that harken back to the kemp era jerseys where it was the really light blue with the white that just was the perfect tone setter of how to incorporate that design so i thought that was fun too thank you for listening to the cavaliers basketball club podcast Let's go Cavs!